to everybody. Boy, I like it if you talk back to me. I, I don't know if you can hear me. All right. You know, I want us to stand up one time. I want us to stand up. Get up on your feet. Stand up. Get your, get your feet. I want us this morning to just give the biggest applause and shout to Jesus Christ for bringing us out to a new year. All right? Come on. Hallelujah. You're awesome, God. You're awesome. Thank you, God. Blessed be your name. Come on. Give him a shout. Give him praise in the house. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. Worthy is his name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, did that feel good? I tell you, you know, sometimes we just have to let it all out and praise him. You know, I'm a sports fan and I'm sorry to admit that. And I do yell at my TV, I do go against and I scream and all that, but... If there's nothing as awesome as praising and shouting for Jesus Christ. The church should not be a place where you have to be quiet. In fact, pray, shout is a part of praise. The sinner's gonna trust, uh, practice that. And, 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 I, and I think of Joshua and all the people of Israel who God uh, puts them out to the promised land. And they are supposed to face an army uh, and, and take over a city that was really big. And God says, you send the praise team first. I want you to go around the city uh, of Jericho. I want you to run seven times. And when you're done, I want you to just shout. What, God? Yes, shout. I guess so. And they do what God said. And the walls of Jericho start crumbling down. And today we can shout our way. We can shout the walls in our lives and enter into New Year 2015. See all the walls ahead come crumbling down as we shout in the house of the Lord this morning. Can the people of God give a shout of praise to the Lord most high one more time. Hallelujah. You're awesome. We magnify you, Jesus. You're awesome, God. There is none like you, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. You are the Lord most high. You reign from everlasting to everlasting. All beside you, there is no other, oh God. No power, no weapon, no demon is above you, Lord. No power on earth even compares with you, Lord. And we thank you for the joy of serving you, Lord. You said in your word that we should rejoice in the Lord always. And we come into your house rejoicing for who you are. We rejoice for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for who you are, Lord. Now fill our hearts with praise. Fill our hearts with your word today. Let let, let us be renewed and, re- and energized today to face this year, Lord, uh, with much power, with much faith uh, and anticipation for what you have ahead of us. We thank you one more time and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Get, keep the shout going all the time. Keep the shout going, you know. Have some random acts of shouts in your house to the name of the Lord. I do that sometimes. You would think I'm crazy, and I am crazy. But I tell you what, there's something when we give God praise. There's something that happens in the spiritual realm when we give God praise. So this morning we want to get in the Word of God in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to read today. Matthew chapter 4. The title of our message this morning is 40. Everybody say 40. 40. 
No, I am not turning 40. It's a long way from there. I still have many years to go. Uh, but uh, but uh, it's not about that. <laughs> many years before I turn 40. And, and so anyway, I think Jesus will be back before that time. <laughs> All right, Matthew, if you found it, it says, yeah. All right. You see, if you haven't figured it out, I like you talking back to me. Did you find Matthew? Yes. All right. Matthew chapter 4. The story of Jesus. I'm reading from New Living Translation. It says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days. Say 40. 40. And 40 nights. Say 40 one more time. 40. He fasted and became very hungry. You would think. If I fast for two hours, I get hungry. He fasted says 40 days, you know, and he was very hungry, the Bible says. But during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Verse 4. But Jesus told him, No, 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 the scripture says, The people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect you. And you will not, uh, to protect you. And they will hold you up uh, there, their hands, so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Imagine that. He actually starts quoting the scripture. Tell your neighbor and person next to you, the, Bible, the devil knows the Bible. In fact, he probably knows the Bible better than you do. So, then Jesus said, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. Isn't that something? Pastor Dustin led us in our prayer and a verse. The only time that we are permitted to test our God, Malachi 3.10, in our tithes and in our offering. Not just tithes alone. You know, sometimes we keep on the tithe, but he says no. Your tithes and your offering. But the law says, okay, I know. Forget everything else I've said about testing me. In this one area, I want you to put me to the test. And try me, see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out your blessings so great that you won't have room enough to contain it. Jesus says, you must not test the Lord your God. Verse 8. Then the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He goes, I'll give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Jesus kind of stretched a little bit, cracked the back, you know, did a little number of those, you know. And he goes, get you behind me, Satan. Jesus, For the scripture says you must worship the Lord, your God, and serve Him only. You see, worship and service go together. Yeah. Then the devil did what? He went away, and the angels of the Lord came and took care of Jesus. You know, it's interesting to me that Jesus, this at this point in the, in the story of Jesus, if you know the Gospels, Jesus had lived and He knew He came for a mission. We just got done celebrating Jesus. A lot of us haven't even stepped on the scale, we're waiting after, you know, February or something, you know, before celebrating his birth. But he came, and at this point in the stage, it was right after he was baptized by John. Um, he hadn't done a lot of things, other than when he was a kid, he'd go to the 
temple and argue with the teachers of the law and debate with the Pharisees and thinking, who is this kid? But yet he even, at the first miracle he did, he told his mother to chill out, mom. It's not time yet. And then he goes out, he gets baptized. And then after his baptism with John, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him. He gets moved and taken to the wilderness. You see, he was led by the wilderness. Now, you think about being led. When God leads you, you don't have to actually follow. That's what we're saying. When you lead me, I will follow. You know? You have a choice. God did not make us as robots. He did not program us to actually do what he wants us to do. Because it will not be love unless there's a choice. But he was led by the Spirit and he yielded to the Spirit and he went into the wilderness. He was looking for a time where he would set aside some time to spend with his father. Forty days, the Bible says, he fasted from 40 nights. And he spent time with God. Now sometimes in our lives, when we purpose to follow God, when we purpose to set aside and do something for him, and then we get tested by the devil. And we think, oh, geez, God is not with me anymore. You will get tested, even if you're following Christ. And he got tested by the devil. The thing that amazes me in this whole time is the audacity of, this, of Satan. First of all, he assaults and, and challenges and tests Jesus' relationship. He, has, he, identi- he comes in and tests his identity. Are you really, if you're really the son of God? He is the son of God. And he knows that. But the enemy plants doubt. Attempts to plant doubt in his mind. In his mind. Because you're hungry right now. If you are the son of God, why don't you do a miracle? If you are serving God, why do things go well for you? Why is it that things don't necessarily go the way you want it? If you really have faith. Maybe you've had those moments where you doubted, is God really with me? So he plants that seed. Jesus comes back and says, hey, it's not about food. It's not about bread. This thing is a lot bigger than that. I am always amazed at how many times I talk to people or you read or you hear about somebody because of great trial in their lives that they gave up on God. They throw in the towel. I'm tired of trusting God anymore because he didn't come through for me on this situation. But yet, they could have been right in the middle of God's plan and preparation for what God has in store. Because this thing is a lot bigger than the here and now. So Jesus says, I'll get you some perspective here, Satan. I know you should know this, but man should not live by bread alone. This life is a lot bigger than what I feel right now. This life is a lot bigger than my bank account. This life is a lot bigger than the conflict in my family or my work. This thing is a lot bigger than the things that I see in this world. The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Satan doesn't give up. He keeps going on at Jesus. 
He comes to Jesus and he says, well, I guess uh, let me try another thing. Maybe you're not so much for steaks and chicken fry or whatever it is. Well, let's try something else. Let's try worldly wealth. Let's try all the different, let's try fame. Let's try something that's big. That you, let's give you a name for yourself. If you will bow down and worship me, I'll give you anything you want. You take a look. And Jesus is, goes back to what? The word. The scripture says, Now, here's what I think is funny. And, and, and I want to kind of understand the nature of our enemy. If he has the guts to tempt Jesus, and he actually has the guts to quote the word to Jesus, Jesus not only did not only know the word, Jesus was the word. In the beginning, there was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the word. And we think, as believers, we can go on our lives and be able to defeat the enemy of our lives without having the word in us. It is our only weapon. It's our only ammunition. It's the only thing that we can defend the enemy with. It's the word of God. And he even had the audacity to try the word. And he quoted scriptures. Sometimes we use scriptures just for our own good. In fact, the Bible says that in the last days that the people will heap up teachers for themselves because they have itching ears that they want to hear what they want someone to tell them what to, they, 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 they feel. We should not be caught up with that. The world is complete. It's just, just, sometimes the world will, God will speak the world like, oh God, thank you. He, it, it exposes us, but it changes us, transforms us. But the nature of our enemy that we deal with He's, I don't undermine the enemy, but through the blood of Jesus, we can overcome. It is through the strength and what he has done for us. But this time period of Jesus, those 40 days were absolutely key to his ministry. Because he does not launch off to his mission and the purpose that he was created for until after that. When those 40 days were, were over, he goes on with the devil. And the devil comes back and says to him, you know, well, tries another one. And Jesus stands up and he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Bible says that if you submit yourself to God and resist the devil, he will fast. It's a submission. He was connected to the Father. That was more important. In fact, the whole 40 days was about connecting to the Father. And he was able to resist the devil because you're submitted to God. And eventually the Bible says that the devil left him alone. And then after that, you flip through the page, you see Jesus going into his ministry. He starts teaching, you know, all the beatitudes and all the uh, things and the lessons that everybody was like, wow, who is this man? Where, where has he been? He's talking very different than any teacher we've ever met. His ideals to this day, even those that don't acknowledge him, Recognize that his teachings are superior to any teaching that any man would ever bring out there. He comes in and totally changes our world. His name divides history. We worship him today. He's here in our midst right now. And he begins his ministry, the mission that he came on earth to do. Now, why 40 days? I think 40 days is a significant time period 
for all, for, for, in the Bible. In fact, there are many instances I want to show you where the Bible used 40 days as a time where God used that time to prepare people for their purpose and their mission. You see, like well, the one, Noah's life was transformed by 40 days of rain. Well, in the rain. And they came in and a new world was created out of Noah's family after 40 days of just them being them and God. A new world started out of that. Moses was transformed by 40 days on, on Mount Sinai. He went to Mount Sinai, 40 days with God. When he came back, he was glowing. The people were running away because he was transformed by the power of God. And spending 40 days with God, he brought us the Ten Commandments, which are to this day a benchmark or at least uh, the model that's been used by countries over the years for laws. Even countries that don't recognize him. The Ten Commandments are the benchmark of what um, uh, we use for what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, and we reckon, hey, hey, no, no, that's not cool. Otherwise, he came out and the world was transformed by Moses spending 40 days with God. The spies were transformed 40 days in the promised land when they were got sent out to go in and spy the land. It was 40 days that they were in there. David was transformed by Goliath's 40-day challenge. He came in and he knew that Goliath knew that he could take any warrior from the people of Israel. He knew he could take anybody down. And he gave him 40 days and said, send me your best man. Send me your best man. And this young guy, a shepherd boy, who was connected to God, a praise person that was, nobody knew that this kid was out there in the field, always worshiping God. The composition of his songs inspires to this day. And he comes back and says, what's going on here? He wasn't even a warrior. His brothers are laughing at him. The 40-day challenge is what inspired David to come out and say, hey, you're not going to talk about my God that way. You may come in your own strength, but I come to you in the name of the Lord our God. And, and, and we, we love the story and the ending, but it was the 40-day challenge that actually inspired David. Elijah was transformed by God when God gave him 40 days of strength by a single meal. The disciples of, uh, after, uh, spent, was transformed by spending 40 days with Jesus. 40 days after his resurrection, he spent with his disciples. And when they left, when he ascended into heaven, the gospel spread like wildfire. They didn't have Twitter, they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have any, they didn't have any of the media that we have now, they didn't have any of that stuff. And yet they impacted the entire world by what Jesus said. Go into the world and preach the gospel. To every person, you know, any, and they did it, they did, and they were able to be absolutely successful in doing what Jesus had called them out to do, without even the modern technologies that we have. How they do it, the power of God. Now, <laughs> I think you can be transformed in 40 days. Your life can totally be transformed in 40 days. My life can totally be transformed in 40 days. I know what you all did in the new year. You all set out some new year resolutions. Oh, some of them did not. They just decided, you know, I've tried this 30 years. I've tried this for 40 years. It hasn't worked, you know. Half of them are probably already... You know, I think the year is a long time. And many, you know, the gym membership is like, hi, you know, those guys are making a killing, you know, so... This is the time. This is the harvest time. Harvest time. You know, so they're stocking up for the next season. 
But anyway, um, uh, we want, when the new year comes, it brings new things. How many are hoping for good things? I believe in for great things this year. You don't want it, you know, last year is gone. This is a, I want to be optimistic. I'm going to be positive and believe in God for great things. You know, all those things are awesome, you know. And, and, and I love new beginnings. I'm thinking, why not, instead of taking 361 days that are left this year, why don't I take that 40 days and put a 40-day challenge with God? Forget about the rest. You get just the beginning and get 40 days of focusing on God. And getting your spiritual muscle anchored deep. And everything else will line up. If you have your goals that you want to accomplish, fit it in the 40 days. Forget the year. Just do 40 days. I do 40 365 is a little long ways because by September you forgot even what they were that you're trying to do. But, and then, see what God will do. I totally believe if we were to take this year and just say, okay, let's go on a 40-day challenge. Let's go on. This is a time, I'm going to get into God so much this year. Just the next 40 days. I'm not going to fail getting his word. Like Jesus was being tempted by the enemy. But he had the word in him coming out of him. Even when the devil comes in with a word to just shout. He had the word coming in. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to have the word in me. See, one of the best things you can do for your life is really memorizing scripture. Getting verses that you memorize. Because you never know when you're going to need to pull that. Jesus didn't know when he, what, how he was going to use that. But he was coming up. Every battle, Satan's like, whoa. <laughs> Let me try another one. He, this guy is serious. I'm leaving him alone. Let me go try someone else that's a little weaker. See, the enemy tries. He goes at you at the point of your weakness. He offers him bread when the man is totally hungry. And there is no restaurant around. KFC is closed. Everything. <laughs> Nothing is around. He's out in the wilderness. And he says, oh man, you know, and you know, my wife bakes bread. And it's just, my weakness is bread. I, I, I could get out of, I skip just about any food, but just the smell of the freshly baked bread in the house. I fall right into my temptation right there. I love it, the smell of bread. And so she just, and even when I'm hungry, when I'm hungry, it's even worse. It's like, you know, like when you're hungry, food just smells a lot better. It's like there's something else to it that it just messes with you. And Satan paints this picture. Well, hey, you claim to be the son of God. Some, still some bread here. And Jesus says, oh, Jesus. Now that is strength. The enemy will not waste his time on you, on victories that you've already have and you feel like you're strong in. He's not going to go after your weak points. <laughs> and he's seen you stumble and put you on opportunities to get yourself falling down. Again, I know that. But we, we strengthen ourselves by getting ourselves in the word of God. David said that I meditate upon your word day and night that I may sin not against you. Your word is a light, a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. The word of God 
is, needs to be a priority into our lives. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You gotta get the word of God coming into, speaking into your spirit. Feed your soul. There's so many things that are competing for your mind, are competing for your soul, competing to feed you. And the phrase, you are what you eat. Sometimes the food is shoved right into us that we're not even looking for. We have to fight for getting ourselves in the Word. See, meditation is not necessarily... Um, uh, you may not have time to read the Bible the whole day. You probably don't. But when you got the Word, you think about it. See, the meditation and worrying are two different things. Worrying is like I'm thinking about my problem over and over and over and over again. I'm meditating on my problem. And God's saying, don't meditate on your problem. Meditate on the word. I'm not, ignore, I'm not saying that I don't have this problem. But I'm not going to spend time dwelling, dedicating 95% of my thought life on the problem. Then that's when it becomes worry. Instead, get the word of God and start meditating on it in your day. As you're driving, as you're working, you're thinking of the world, Lord, I am a child of God. I'm here. He's with you. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says, every place you go, God is with you. Amen. So you can talk to him, meditate upon his word. Let that fill your mind and allow God to transform your life by changing the way you think. Think about him often. Think about his word and what he's saying towards you. Over your situation, over your health, over your finances, over your children, your relationships, your career, everything that God has something to say about it and his thoughts towards you are good. He says, my thoughts, I know the plans that I have towards you. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and to give you a hope. Can I get an amen? Amen. Sometimes we err in the sense that when we look at, say, a year, we think about all the things that we want to do, well, the things that we want to see accomplished. But yet, you know, God has a plan for you and for me for this year. In his book, he already has a thought and a plan for you. There's something that he has specially designed for you for this year. And when we could get to that, all the things that we want or need he knows that. Now listen to the, uh, Matthew chapter 6. These are two chapters after. Jesus says this, verse 31. You know, I could read more, but 31. He says, therefore, Jesus says, Do not worry, saying, what shall I eat? Or what shall I drink? Or what shall I wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. See, he's not ignoring your need. He already knows that. But Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow, tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day, it's its own trouble. We worry sometimes... And when we get ourselves caught up with all that we want to do, and there's nothing wrong with dreaming and all that, but Jesus is saying, okay, let's refocus a little bit. It's not my plans. I want God's plan for me. 
Because sometimes we worry that if I follow God's plan, that God's going to forget about my plan. No, he says, no, don't worry about that. He already knows that. Even before you ask him, he knows your desires. He knows your needs. He knows your want. He says, focus your attention on his kingdom first. And all these things will begin to line up. Because God knows what you need. He knows even what you desire. He says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, the Bible says, that he will grant you the desires of your heart. Because God even knows your heart's desires. He says, don't focus on the wrong thing. Focus on him. Not just what his blessing, what his hands have to give, but his face, him. That's why we gather together as a people of God. That's why we gather as a family of God. Why? We come together so that we can worship him. Worship. We come here to worship. It's not about us. It's about Him. When we sing, it's not about us. It's about Him. When we praise, when we, it's not about us. It's about Him. And when we make our attitude worship, His kingdom, seeking His kingdom, the things in our lives that we need begin to take shape because our center is anchored on Him. And you have a solid foundation and things begin to line up. You can look back at the end of the year and say, wow, God has been faithful. How many can say God was faithful? God was faithful. And he never forgets you. He never forgets you. He thinks about you all the time. We don't sometimes trust that he thinks about us. So we try to make up for it in our own strength. And it challenges. In fact, one of the things that I... Been feeling the Lord leading us into going into 2015 is a lot of people struggle with the idea of what their purpose is. Why am I here for? What in the world am I doing here? And so because we don't know our purpose, we try to guess and look for it and all the different, you know, and, and, and sometimes we get, there's all sorts of self-help books that are absolutely phenomenal. If you set your goals, if you did this, and all those things are great. Because you can be successful by following all the principles that they teach. But how many know that you can be successful in the things that you set out to do and still miss out on the purpose of God in your life? And also Jesus saying it's, a bigger, it's bigger than that. Not that that's not right, that, that those things are right. As long as they are aligned in God's purpose. And, 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 and what we, I want to challenge us as a church to start this year by dedicating 40 days, say 40, 40, of just getting to dig deeper into God's purpose for our lives, God's purpose for our church, God's purpose for you, and see if the rest of the year and the rest of your life will not be transformed by it. Uh, Pastor Rick Warren from uh, Saddleback Church a few years ago, a number of years ago, he wrote this book, The Purpose Driven Life. Many of you uh, maybe have heard about it, and uh, some of you may have read it. And I love what the things that he bring out on it. Because it was an, a great book that he did, and helping people find the purpose of God in their lives. And uh, ironically, it's actually 40-day devotionals. 
that help you to walk every day 40, for 40 days. It says, don't read it fast. Don't try to fit, you know. I'm going to get the book. I said, i got to get this done because this is the only window of time I got. Especially when you have kids. You have little windows of finishing a book. Right. I'm going to read it so fast so I'll be done. Otherwise, the book will go on the shelf of the, all the half-read books, you know, that you have. You know, so, but, but this one is like, okay, no, just take a day at a time. That's, there's, God's given us a lot of other days. Let's just dedicate 40 days. Find God's purpose. And not everything else. Because it will transform you and help all the rest of your days be better. How many want to join us on that journey? We're going to set out next, next week. We're going to begin next Sunday. And I, one of the things I want to encourage you, in fact, I want to challenge you to do, make it absolutely Important that you don't miss. It will be in a length of six weeks at church. And we will, we will get, if you don't have, if you have a copy of this book already in your shelf, go find it. If you don't, we'll pre-order some. Um, uh, you can pre-order and, the, and we'll have more here on this week. So you just check your name, I think, for $15 and we'll have it or get yourself your own, get it on your Kindle or something. Cause it'll help you follow along. Cause we cannot cover it all through the sermons and the messages, but it'll help greatly and isn't it better? The Bible says that one can put a thousand into flight, two can put ten thousand. Boy, you don't want to do it alone. Think about the strength of the whole church doing it, and see what God will do for us. How many are excited about having some focus and just focus? And so we'll start next week. If you have a copy, get it. If you need one, write your name down there. We'll get you one next week. Um, uh, and, or you can, you can um, download it in your tablets and all that. And we'll go on a journey of 40 days and just find God's purpose. Because what it does, it gets us to focus. Focus. And everything, I guarantee you, your life will be blessed by it. In fact, your entire life will be absolutely transformed if you kept diligent with it. We saw many examples. In fact, God doesn't need 40 days per se. He can transform you in a moment. But for the things that he's wanting to do, oftentimes he's used 40 days as a significant time period for, to transform lives that not only bless the people that were uh, involved in the 40 days encounter with him, it transformed other people. The whole world was blessed because of 40 days with different people. And I think the city of Lincoln, the towns around us, will be transformed when our people right here in Lincoln City Church dedicate 40 days of finding God's purpose, seeking His face, and, and, and putting everything aside. Don't miss a Sunday. In fact, get somebody with you. Get them a book. Get Do it with your small group. Invite people in it. People are looking for purpose. We don't know why we're here. We don't just, but we were created for God. And by God. And, and unless you figure that out first... Life is going to be meaningless in the end. And it's not meaningless. There's a purpose. Amen? Amen. I believe that we are living in the last days. I don't know. You know, everybody likes to, to, to paint a good picture. We want to be positive about this year. We want to be optimistic we want it to be all rosy and all that. But how many know that we don't know what this year has? You don't. If you haven't thought about it, give me a minute to think. 
You have no idea what even tomorrow has. You have no idea what this year has. But I don't have control over everything. But I want to be in the middle of God's will. Because the best place you can be, whether easy, rosy, or trying, is still in the center of God's will. The people right now are brothers and sisters in Christ that live in hostile environments for Christians. And you start reading their stories and start seeing what they're doing. Boy, their faith challenges you. But they believe that they are in the center of God's will. And they do what they do for Christ. And I want to be in the center of God's will. And like Jesus, it's not about bread and water and all those things, even though God already knows we need those things. I'm not going to worry myself to death over things that perish. I'm going to focus on Christ. And He blesses my going in. He blesses my coming out. He blesses me in the city. He blesses me in the country. The blessings of the Lord are upon your life if we're with Jesus. Don't have to worry if you're blessed or not. You're already blessed because God says you're blessed. No one can put a... I, but I want to be in the center of God's will in my life. And that's what this next uh, week when we begin. I thought we'll start this week so it gives us time to prepare and go on a journey of 40 days together and just get ourselves in the center of His will. Amen. If we had gone off the path, we'll send ourselves to the path. Yes. And I believe God's going to transform us. Amen. God's going to bless us. God's going to bless The city will be blessed because of that. Yes. Amen. Any faith in the house believing for that here? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. You can stand up. You give God praise one more time. Amen. And I believe we're living in the last times and some things that would happen would be beyond our control. And that's okay. Come on. Can I say that's okay? That's okay. There are things that we cannot control and will not control. But that's okay. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul that I take the rest in knowing this, that God is for me. He is not against me. His plans for me are good. He means to do me good. He's always watching my back even when I don't understand the present circumstances that I find myself in. God is for me. So I want to be in His will so I can have peace even in the middle of a storm. I can have joy that the Bible calls unspeakable joy. Amen? Amen? Let's raise our hands towards heaven and just begin to worship Him. Begin to ask the Lord to just fill your year. Send you this year. Let this year, let it count. Let it count for His kingdom. Hallelujah. Thank you. Open your own mouth and begin to tell that to Him. And just worship Him. I'm not going to worship for you. You begin to just raise your voice.